0: These days, everything's customized to you, from your TV show recommendations to your smart speaker. Isn't it time your trading platform was, too? Say hello to Thinkorswim. Thinkorswim is fully customizable, so you can create your own indicators, perform technical analysis, and use personal predictions to forecast the values of stocks you care about. Get a tailor-made trading experience with Thinkorswim. Learn more at tdameritrade.com thinkorswim. TD Ameritrade, where smart investors get smarter. Member SIPC.
1: This is Computer Talk with TAB, hosted by Eric Semmel of TAB Computer Systems. Interact with Eric and his guest by phone at 522-WTIC or 1-800-966-WTIC. Email them in the studio at gethelp at tabinc.com or get help anytime at computertalkwithtab.com. Now, here's Eric.
2: And good morning. This is Computer Talk with TAB. I'm Eric. And I'm Bob. And Bob is Bob Shorey. He's one of the MCSEs at TAB. And he comes in and helps me out with your computer problems, comments, questions, and concerns. Feel free to get online 800-966. WTIC 522 WTIC we are here live today feel free to get online getting ready for the snow right that's what we hear it's coming already
3: well if it's coming I hope it's a big one
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it'll be like a little dusting but uh, we're here to help you out so let's get right to your uh, your news here Bob you've got some stuff going on right you wanted to bring up
3: well I got a few things that I thought were interesting over the the last week or so EV rentals aren't at full charge yet. Oh, boy. Yeah, I found out the hard way on the German autobahn. This is a CNET article I'm reading. Yeah. Okay. I've never been so scared to rent a car before. It's not because I'm a bad driver, despite what my family and friends will tell you, <laughs> or because I'm driving into a blizzard. It's because for the first time in my life, I'm renting an electric vehicle that I have to charge instead of refueling at a gas station. What could go wrong? And not just any EV. It's a Tesla Model S. Mm -hmm. You know, the fancy designed by Elon Musk that starts at Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) $80,000? Now, there's a startup, UFO Drive. What a name, right? Yeah. That's trying to take these worries away. The company founded 18 months ago in Luxembourg rents Mm -hmm. only EVs and operates solely through the iPhone and Android apps. All right. You can skip waiting in long lines at the rental counters, and you won't be saddled with either Mm -hmm. a different car from the one that you booked or surprise fees when you return the vehicle. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't have to worry about anything besides driving. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Well,
2: except for what? Battery.
3: Well, the, <laughs> the app even tracks your battery level oh. and directs you to the nearest charging station Andy. when needed. Andy, handy, Okay? And that's the point UFO Drive wants to convince people like me that renting an RV isn't scary. EV. EV. Yeah, EV, RV, <laughs> PC, UV. Unless, <laughs> yeah. Anyway... Uh, there's a massive misconception about electric vehicles that they don't work well and take too long to charge. U.F.O. Dri- uh, drive CEO Aidan McLean said in an interview last month. In an interview last month, mm-hmm. that's not true. Mm-hmm. We want to change the perception around electric cars so that people who rent them can realize it's easier to rent, drive, and experience an electric car than an oil-burning car. All right, all right. So they go kind of go on and on and on, but I'm going to skip down to this. Uh,
2: his experience. His quick.
3: experience. Yeah, they get down. You can rent these uh, electric vehicles. You can get a, 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 a Nissan Leaf for as low as uh, 69 euros, which is about 76 bucks, hmm. and uh, and uh, at a it goes on and it gets like 149 euros from Tesla Model S. Okay. And then there was some uh, more expensive ones. It's in there that was like 200 and some bucks. Gotcha. So it worked out for me. Ferrari, I think, made uh, the expensive one.
2: He got rerouted, right? Right, though? He was running out of juice.
3: So, yeah, he was going to a place where his uh, family emigrated from in the 1800s. All right. Okay. And there was no cell. No cell service? No cell service. Uh Uh-oh. Because there was no cell service... Okay. Yeah. It wouldn't update him on the app when his uh, uh, no. battery level was getting. So low. wait a
2: minute. He needed his phone to go to the cloud to talk back to his car to figure out how much juice was left in his car.
3: Well, the, supposedly, if he'd have been watching his car, his phone. Yeah. Okay. Instead yeah. of the dash, uh-huh. you know that great big yeah dash that they have. Yeah. Okay. Then he, you know, he would have been directed supposedly. Uh,
2: but he didn't. Okay. He relied on the so, phone.
3: And it was supposed to send him a notification when the battery charge got low down to 50%, but they had just changed it and lowered it to 30%. Oh, boy. And then again, at 10%, it gives you the closest fast-charging station. Right. Okay? Now, that's when he ran into some trouble. Yeah. Okay? So, along the Baltic coast, where some of my ancestors lived in the 1800s, about 130 kilometers from Hamburg, or about a 90-minute drive. Yep. Okay. So, uh, instead of planning the best route to Wismar, Wismar was where he was going, Mm -hmm. and checking for charging stations, I simply get in the Tesla and go, like I would if I were driving a normal car. (laughs) I expect the UFO Drive app to notify me when the battery is low and direct me to a charging station when I need one. What I don't count on is losing cell service and getting no alerts. To make matters worse, Wismar and the area around the city have no Tesla superchargers, oh, char- supercharger stations. Right. Though Tesla tells me, I'll make it to Wismar with no problems. I won't make it back to Hamburg without a charge.
2: <laughs> you got to pick up a squirrel on the way to, to charge that thing up, right?
3: When I'm about a half an hour from Wismar, I start getting nervous. My battery is clearly well below fifty percent. <laughs> I thought I'd get an alert by then. UFO Drive initially told me I'd get an alert at fifty, but I right. recently. But it recently changed the system to ping drivers at 30%. I get stressed when my uh, phone battery is below 60% at midday. When it hits 30%, (laughs) I look for a charger. With a car battery, my worries are much worse. (laughs) There's actually a phrase for this, range anxiety. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) That's a new thing. What are
2: you compensating for? Oh, I don't know.
3: What if I run out of power (laughs) in the middle of nowhere? (laughs) UFO Drive said that. That's never happened in... In it's 5,000 rentals since launching in 2018. Yeah. The company says it would have dispatched someone to my location if I ran into trouble. Oh, wow. But I don't want to be the first to be stranded <laughs> in a place where there's no cell service. Uh, range anxiety. <laughs> my passenger starts searching for supercharger stations and regular chargers on tes- on the Tesla's GPS. Wait, he's got
2: a passenger? Yeah, My wife would have told me to get gas long before that part. (laughs) Honey, it's like three quarters down. It's not gas gas you're getting. No, (laughs) but if you have a passenger, you know they're going to be like, hey, are you going to fill this thing up?
3: Okay. So anyway, uh, they're looking for on Tesla's GPS, but nothing shows up. The ones on Google Maps and Tesla's site on my passenger phone are located in hotels and appear to be only for guests. Oh, jeez. The closest supercharges is an hour away in the opposite direction. (laughs) Yeah, convenient. <laughs> and it's not until later that I learned that UFO Drive app shows both superchargers and the slower chargers I can access. Mm. Because I was driving, I wasn't looking at the app. Even so, that information isn't completely <laughs> accurate. Jeez.
2: So the moral of the story is it's really not ready for prime time yet. It's funny. Yeah.
3: But yeah, read, go read the rest of it. We'll put a link really out there for go you. Look at the chuckle. It's a
2: little more trouble than it's worth. In other news, this is kind of a big one, 110 nursing homes... Uh, this was done. This was a Wisconsin IT-based uh, IT company that put these 110 nursing homes that are all over the country. There's uh, all 45 states they service about 80,000 systems. This one IT company puts their customers where? Where do you think they put them? Well, they put them in the cloud, and of course they market that all your problems will be gone, and security is going to be all set, and you're going to be fully backed up, and and everything will be lovely. Well. 110 nursing homes were cut off from their health care records due to a ransomware attack that hit the uh, IT company that was hosting their stuff. And uh, here's one of the thing uh, comments from one of the, the owners of the IT company. The ongoing attack is preventing these care centers from accessing critical patient medical records, and the IT company's owner says that she fears this incident could soon lead to not only the closure of her business, yeah, you think, but only, but also to the untimely demise of some patients, so they get hit their cloud which they stuck 40, 110 businesses in using Citrix and they're sitting on these great cloud servers was hit with ransomware to the tune of ten thousand dollars, Bob. Do you think? with the ransom for hundred and ten, what do you think?
3: Twenty thousand. Yeah, let's say. What do you think they wanted? Thousand bucks. Thousand bucks. Yeah,
2: they wanted forty-one million dollars for the ransom. So this is uh, a story that if you're considering putting your system in the cloud, whether you're a legal company, there's firms out there that are going to do this for law firms. There's companies out there that will do this. Heck, we had the story about uh, the uh, accounting firms' software out there in the Netherlands. There, CCH, their entire cloud got hit in the exact same way. Thousands of of CPAs couldn't do their work. This this this. Attack here, 110 nursing homes, the entire cloud that they sold their customers to,
3: 41 million dollars. <laughs>
2: yeah, fully <laughs> ransomed. Uh, and uh, you've got to read, you got to read this uh, story and understand that when you're sticking it in a cloud, it's just on somebody else's servers. So if these 110 folks didn't have this all in the one spot and had their own distributed network, with what, what, what would they would have used? A backup and local servers, right? <laughs> they would have been able to operate, but in some cases, along with their their EHR, their payroll, their phone systems were in the cloud too. They couldn't make phone calls thanks to this thing. Um, you got to ask yourself: Should you put everything in one basket, the one big cloudy basket? And uh, I'll put this uh, the story up here from Krebs on Security, and you can read the whole story if you're considering doing this for your business. I don't know. Now understand that that one company gets hit, you're down and you're impacted pretty pretty heavily. Uh, so take a look at that. You have nothing you can do. All you can do is scream at this company. It's called VCPI uh, in Wisconsin. And uh, all you can do is yell at them and they're going to say, well, we're hit with ransomware. Sorry. So clearly their security awareness training wasn't very good. And clearly, here's the thing that's even dumber than dumb. Why would you have your operations connected to your back office of your, of your own business so that your own 150 employees, one of them let the software in, let the bad guys in. Why well, would you allow that for, to, to occur in the first place? If you're so good at making sure everything's going to work so well, you promised 110 businesses that they can do it better, they can take care of the HIPAA, they can take care of the backup, they can take care of security, they bring the entire thing to its knees, $41 million ransom. <laughs> That's the cloud.
3: Yeah, and I'll bet you their uh, uh, agreement
2: obfuscates them from any responsibility. Obfuscates them from any responsibility. Yeah, most likely. So we'll put a link up here for you guys. You can read the whole sordid tale. It's it's definitely worth reading. And Brian Krebs does a great job describing it. Of course, there's also news articles as well out there in uh, in Wisconsin talking about it. So we've got one line open for you: eight hundred nine six six WTIC five two two WTIC. Feel free to get online. We can talk about you know any kind of Black Friday technology you're looking at. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about home automation and uh, some of the ideas that I'm thinking about doing for my own home automation um, and see what you guys think about that as well. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. All the lines are jammed up. Uh, early for you guys. You guys must be all rusted from the whole turkey thing. I don't know. Uh, I'm glad you're all here. Feel free to get online after the line clears. Let's get right to your calls. You're nice enough to join us on this Saturday morning. This is Computer Talk with Tab. Let's go to Gary in Bloomfield. Hey, Gary.
4: Hi, guys. How you doing? Good. How are you, sir? Okay. Uh, got a problem when I try to bring the machine up on Thursday. I shut it down. What are you doing on Thursday? Thursday evening. I okay. I went into... Nothing else going on, everything was quiet, so I saw. Oh, yeah, it doesn't work. I get the PC up and I shut it down on Monday. Yeah. And when I try to open up Word and Excel, uh-huh. um, neither one of them would open. Okay. And I was wondering, I ran malware bytes, I think, three or four times over the last couple of days, mm-hmm. and it said I had no issues. All right. So I was wondering uh, what it is now. I've opened up some of the smaller files in Notepad, okay. and I can read. You know, it's not completely clear, but I can read some of the information in there. So I'm assuming that it's not encrypted, or otherwise I wouldn't be able to even get it open in Notepad. All
2: right, so you're bringing up Word and Excel. Those programs are coming up, but you can't bring up the actual files.
4: No, I, can, I cannot get either either of the apps to open
2: so the app itself won't come up you can't do you can't double click on word and actually have it come up as a blank page and start a fresh file no
4: okay what happens is the uh whether i double click or i just single click or right click and then click open i get the rotating uh blue circle yeah it'll spin on for 15 20 30 seconds and then it just disappears and nothing happens
2: all right, now, what version are we talking about here? Do you know what version of Word or Excel you're using?
4: Uh, you know, it's probably four years old because it's when I got the machine. It's windows eight point one uh, I've got the control panel open. Is there a way I can check
2: uh you can go to you can go to the uh, programs and apps right the uh right there in control panels, check out the apps to see what version you're running
4: programs and features
2: yeah. Locate your office. You know, it should say Microsoft Office. Uh,
4: Microsoft Office Home and Student 2013.
3: Okay, that's that's not too too old. So you can click on it there and do a change and do a repair. Right.
4: Because I just click on uh, on the Microsoft Office.
2: Yeah, go click. Yeah, locate Office and then select Change from the top menu. And you should be able to choose Repair.
4: I just saw Microsoft, Auto. oh, there it is, okay. I just click once,
2: mm-hmm.
4: and uh, then Uninstall or Change a Program.
2: Click Change, and see if there's a Repair option for you.
4: I'm clicking on Uninstall or Change a Program, nothing's happening.
2: Hmm, that's not good.
4: And, so, okay, wait a minute. I, I was looking at. There's two separate changes listed on top. Uh, okay. The second one down is Organize, Uninstall, and Change.
2: Yeah, click that one.
4: And. Uh,
2: Can you get a repair option after that?
4: No, I got a box that comes up. Please wait until the current program is finished uninstalling or being changed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no repair option, huh?
4: No, just that one. Box that came up. In, uh,
3: sounds like you need to do a reboot first, and then uh, that'll close any
4: uh, apps that
2: are trying to make
3: a change. Yeah, have you,
2: have you rebooted yet, Gary? Since this,
4: yeah, about four times, and I oh boy, re- rebooted uh, about eight forty this morning.
2: How about the other change you, you selected? You you, had, you said there's two change options on that menu.
4: I think one of them is. Uh,
2: We're trying to run the repair, and that should be after you click change, right where you are. You're like, you're so close.
4: Yeah, I click change again, and it comes up with the same thing. Current program is finished. On.
2: All right, do you have the disks to reinstall them?
4: I don't honestly know if I do. Uh, I remember at some time when I bought the machine that I mm-hmm. had to go to the Microsoft store, uh, I don't remember if it was – I got the disk when I bought the machine, and then I had to put All right. the disk in and then go to the store.
2: How about running – booting up and trying to start it in safe mode? Okay. So you're going to – when you're when the machine boots up, you're going to hold the control key. Um, while you So get up – go ahead and open Excel in safe mode. After you boot in safe mode, and then you're going to um, – Hold the control key while you start the program and see if that will force it to, to load. But if it doesn't, reinstall is going to have to happen. Something with that installer or the program itself is not working right or is damaged. You can also do a system file checker, which might correct any kind of corruption you have.
4: Okay. I uh, just started the re- uh the machine back on. Yeah,
2: go into safe mode. And, and what then, do I
4: have to do as soon as it comes
2: up? So go ahead and then go to, your, go to Excel. No. We'll, let it come up all the way. And then oh, when you okay. try to click on Excel, hold the Control key down while you're, while you're clicking um, on the Excel to see if it'll run. And that'll actually start Excel, hopefully. We also have a a link to try to repair um the office itself. We'll put up there for you. It'll be it'll be a repair for 2010, 2013 and 2016. You can try those. That we'll put up there for you, all right?
4: Okay. Perry? So when
2: when the machine comes up, go over to go over to Excel and see if you can run it within Excel and run it within safe mode by holding the control key down. I've never done this myself, but that's what we've been finding as, as a way to solve it.
4: Okay, so I've got the uh uh, I'm going to click on Excel and hold the control key down. Yep.
2: Is it is it firing up?
4: Yeah, the machine is doing something. They could hear it <laughs> running in the in the background, but I'm not seeing anything.
2: All right. So we're going to put a link up for the repairs you can try.
4: Okay, so once I now that it rebooted, if I go back into the control panel and try to change again. Yeah,
2: maybe the repair will be there.
4: And then I could do the... Uh, uh,
2: you click change and then click repair.
4: And then repair. But I definitely don't want to touch the recovery one, right?
3: No.
2: No, no, no. <laughs> not yet. You haven't gone. It's not that bad yet. And go find your disks. If this doesn't work, you're reloading.
4: Okay, so then I would just get the disks, put them in, and then reinstall them. Yes, sir. And uh, <clears throat> now I know that the Windows, um, Microsoft support for this isn't. Now, is that also if I have to go back to the store, because I remember doing that when I bought the machine, would I still be able to do that, or is that.
2: No, they're going to gonna say 13.
4: Are you crazy? Yeah. Okay.
2: They'll tell you to buy the new one. What version of operating system? Is it Windows 8, you said? 8.1. Yeah. So worst case, you're buying um, Office 2019. You can buy that still. Just pay for it once. Um, that's an option, too. You don't have to rent it with
3: 365. So Windows 8.1 is no longer supported. That's another thing. It's not? No. that hmm. That ran out before Windows 7. Really? Yeah. I can give you a date in a minute. I believe you.
2: So try those things, Gary. We're going to let you go. Okay. We'll some, we got a link up there for you. we got it on a repair, and hopefully these these options work for you. But otherwise, you're reinstalling, bud. Okay. All right? Yeah, thank you very much. You're welcome. You. Good luck. Okay. Thank All right. Bye. Bye-bye. So we're going to be here until 11 o'clock today. One line open for you, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. When did it go out of support?
3: Uh, as of January 9th, 2018.
2: Oh, boy, that was recent, wasn't it?
3: <laughs> Almost two years.
2: <laughs> Feel free to get online. We'll help you right out. We'll be right back. And we're back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric. And I'm Bob. And we're here until 11. Feel free to get in line. The lines are all jammed up. You guys are really that vacation holiday there, man. A little turkey, and all of a sudden you're on the phone. So uh, we appreciate you being here for us. And uh, anything you missed or or anything, you, if you missed anything on uh, past shows, you can go over to uh, WTIC.com and check out the podcast for uh, all the programs here at WTIC. Let's go to Frank in Manchester up first. What's going on, Frank?
5: Good morning. Thank you for for taking my call. I hope sure. you all had a great Thanksgiving.
2: Uh, it was it was awesome. Hope you did too.
5: All right. Thank you. Uh, the problem is uh, our, our printer. Uh-oh. Right. Yeah. Uh, you you go to print, and it'll say loading, and then that little blue thing starts flipping around, and then the whole screen kind of like fades.
2: So it locks up. Does the machine lock up or?
5: Uh. Well, the the printer doesn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, it must be getting electricity and stuff because uh, we uh, can <laughs> yeah. make copies on it, but we just just won't print.
2: So when you say the screen l- fades, is it the computer screen or the printer yeah, screen?
5: computer str- uh,
2: screen. All right, how do you get out of that? Do you just hit escape, or can you shrink the window, or how do you continue?
5: Well, we just shut it down.
2: You, the whole computer down? Yeah. So it
3: locks up?
5: Uh, yeah, it just doesn't work. You
3: well, know what it's doing is it's searching for the printer, which... Uh, uh i think got a different ip address and that's why i can't find it
2: you think it would lock the machine up though
3: no his his computer is just timing out yeah you what kind of a processor yeah like an i3 <laughs> uh, i
5: really don't know uh, i'm from the era of uh, taxi stands and telephone booths okay so uh it's like uh, you know a foreign language. Some of the things that you say. All
2: right. So we're going to make it easy for you. You need to go and uninstall that printer and reinstall it. Have you ever done that before, Frank?
5: Uh, no, but we can. I can learn, I suppose. All right.
3: There may be an easier way. What kind of a printer is it,
5: honey? What kind of printer? <laughs> <laughs> My wife. Oh, hold on.
3: Once. HP, Canon.
5: Yeah. What kind of printer is it, honey? HP. Yeah. Yes, HP.
3: Okay. You, if you go down under H on your menu, uh, you're, you're using Windows 10? Uh, 7. 7. Okay. Then you want to go into the control panel, go into devices and printers. Actually, uh, it should be on the menu under 7, okay. devices and printers. And uh, actually, you want to go in under, the, under programs because there's a, a utility in there. If it was fully installed, there will be a utility that will rediscover it on the network.
2: An HP utility. Yes. So Bob's trying to find the actual HP utility application that was installed, hopefully, when you originally installed a printer. And we're going to tell it to go look and try to find the printer again, is what Bob's getting at here. Okay. So that's number one, is to find that program utility. It's an HP utility. Uh Uh-huh. And then you're going to run it and have it try to rediscover the printer, and hopefully it'll reestablish the IP address. And what... Bob's theory is is that your 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 computer is so so low end power wise that it literally as it's looking kind of just freezes, which seems kind of serious.
3: I've seen a lot of computers uh, that if they had a printer installed that mm-hmm. was uh, on the network, it got turned off and it looking for it and can't find it. Yeah, it'll keep looking. Just take a lot and of resources, and it kind of takes the resources away from other things
2: from a low from a lower end computer. Yeah, well, yeah. There's that. So. Uh, do you see that application, Frank?
5: No, I'm in. Uh, I'm actually in another room. Okay. So you're taking to... notes. Yeah, my wife is.
2: All right. So you want to find the HP app, and then once he finds it, Bob,
3: then there'll be a um, a setup, or there's going to be some sort of a utility that's going to help you find it
2: within the within the app itself.
3: Within the app.
2: If it and doesn't, I it, would just uninstall it and reinstall it.
3: If you can't find it, then that's that's your next step. You'd go to Programs and Features or uh-huh. apps, and uh, uninstall it from there, and then reinstall it.
5: Okay. So uh, give it a shot.
2: Yeah. Good luck, Frank. Thank um, you very much. Yeah, it that shouldn't be so uh, so damaging to print something to your computer, but let's see what happens.
5: Okay, thank you.
2: You got it, sir. Bye. I don't know why it would do that, though.
3: Well, when it gets out looking out on the network and it can't find it, it they get stubborn.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah I've seen it. <laughs> do, I believe you. Let's go to Tom in my hometown of Southington. What's going on, Tom?
1: Yeah, I got. I tried putting DNS. I got two computers, a desktop and a laptop.
2: Yeah, you tried uh, configuring Open DNS.
1: Yeah, nice. Yeah. So, anyways, I had someone fix it for me, so it's on both computers and it's under one account. And it seemed like it was working. You know, when he fixed it up, nice. And then after that, you know, when I after shutting it down and a day or two later, I open it up now. It says using Open DNS. It says yes, but then on the bottom it says that there's a mismatch between uh, the DNS IP and the right. IP.
2: You need something called the IP updater. So you didn't pay anybody for this, right?
1: I got the IP updater. I already clicked on that.
2: You did. Yeah. Well, it should tell you the it should update your IP, and now you should be good.
1: It should tell me what? I'm sorry.
2: When you when you check when the IP updater is running. It should go and detect your new IP address and clear that mismatch.
1: How do I do that?
2: It should do it automatically for you if it was configured properly.
1: Okay, I guess it's not configured.
2: (laughs) Did you pay for it to be configured, or is he just a friend? Version. Hmm?
1: On the Open DNS.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was just wondering if you paid somebody to help you with this, or if uh, you had a friend come and help you with this.
1: When I know is my kid. Oh.
2: All right, so the IP updater, I think, is misconfigured in your account in that it's not updating automatically like it should be. Okay. Um, We can find some OpenDNS instructions as to how to correctly configure the IP updater. You may want to get that kid back over there. Configure the IP updater. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's the key here, is that it's saying, hey, I noticed something is wrong. Well, it's correct. It did. Your IP changed. Yeah. Um, but the IP updater should take care of it, and we actually have a nice link for you on that.
1: Yeah, I got a thing here. It talks about where is a, where is an HT, you know, where is there, there's an IP mismatch, but it talks about proxies and all of that. and I don't know what the heck a proxy is or any of that stuff.
2: You know, a proxy would be um, um, the other software we recommended, BlueHouse. What was uh, what's it called again that we used to do? Not too. Uh, what was the other some dog. filter? Yeah, yeah, the dog. Yeah, I can't remember what it was anymore. Um, but a proxy is running your Internet through a safer um, third party, which is called proxying. You're not doing that in this case. You're just choosing a different DNS um, setting. Um, but you shouldn't be getting a proxy error. Uh, this is just running through, what, either Cox or uh, DSL? Yeah, i got
1: Frontier. It's, I'm not getting a proxy error, but it just says there's a mismatch. But then when you click on Learn More, this page comes up, and you know, I'm not sure what the hell it says there.
2: Or... <laughs> it's probably giving you some insights. The, the, the software I was thinking of is Canine. Um, yeah. is more of a proxy approach to filtering versus what OpenDNS is doing. Yeah. Um, we're going to put the link up here. I would tell you to read through the instructions of the IP updater yourself. And follow them. Make sure you have your account information for OpenDNS. I assume you set up your email address and you have your own a, a password setting and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I got all of that. All right. Just assume your kid didn't set it up right in the first place and run through it cleanly. Most likely, that's all you got to do is just set it up properly. He probably he or she probably made an error um, when they configured the IP updater. I'm guessing because it's that's the only that's the that's the normal error when your IP is incorrect and the IP updater is supposed to handle it
1: for you. Okay. Now, when when you say configure the updater, I thought you just pressed on the the link there, and then you, I get that little block, you know, with the with the icon. I click on to see where it says yes, it's working. Yep. That's the updater, right?
2: That's the updater. Yes, um, but clearly there's something misconfigured um, when when it was initially set up. It okay. shouldn't be that difficult. Um, it should be straightforward. It, you, basically, you're going to tell it where you are, home or office. And uh, there's a button there that says update now. Generally, you're going to bring it up. It says open DNS updater. And uh, you should be able to click, click update, update now, now. And that'll take care of it. Oh, we lost Tom, I think. Yeah. Um, hopefully, that'll work for him. All right. But it's important to have the IP updated running because uh, your internet provider doesn't uh, keep your same IP address unless you pay for that. Call the static IP. We'll step out for a quick break. we got two lines open for you guys, Eight hundred nine six six 966 wtic 522-WTIC. Everything we've talked about is posted live over at computertalkwithtab.com. Mike G is doing it faster than I can put the links in. He's almost putting the links in before I even thought of them. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is Computer Taco Tab. Two lines open for you. Feel free to get online. eight hundred nine six six 966 wtic 522-WTIC. We're also, I want, to talk, I want to talk a little bit about home automation. Um, you think about all these smart light bulbs and all these smart things you're controlling with your Alexa or with your whatever. And uh, the more I've done some research on it, the more I think that really everything has to be done at the switch level. Because what good is a smart light bulb if the switch is off? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the bulbs are so expensive, it's kind of counterproductive to put this wicked expensive bulb in there that doesn't do anything if some kid turned <laughs> turn the switch off. So I'm looking at these C by GE. They have smart switches out there. Lutron's got a system as well. And it's kind of DIY, you know, so guys like me can put them in. If I can do it, you can do it. And uh doesn't require any kind of special hubs or any special bulbs. And uh, you control it with your voice if you want to. So um, I don't know. I just think everything seems to be, you know, we're still switch-based, right? So if the switch is off, the stuff you're trying to control isn't smart. So if you start it with the switch, now even the dumb stuff is smart, right? You can turn on your, you know, anything, any dumb light bulb, cheap light bulb with using that switch. What do you think, Bob?
3: Well, it depends on the technology they use. Because not, not all of them are using uh, IP-based uh, technology. Some, not, some of them are using Bluetooth or... Um, yeah, proprietary wireless, systems. Uh, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. this uses wireless. So we'll see what happens to that. But let me know if you've tried that with your smart home technology. Let's go to uh, Steve in Bristol next. What's going on, Steve?
6: Hi, I'm sorry. I, I stepped away from my phone. No, you're fine. What's up? Okay. So... When I was back in grad school in the late 1990s, um, I had also done my family tree, one of those, I don't know if you say GEDCOM or GEDCOM files, All right. and I never threw the stupid computer away. Um, All right. And now I, I, I did Ancestry, and now it wants me to upload my my family tree, and I said, why should I retype the whole stupid thing when I have it in this old computer? <laughs> yeah. So I, I kept the keyboard and the mouse because I realized that they were they were different. Yeah. But I didn't keep the monitor, so I hooked it up to my monitor, and it looked good. I turned it on, and I saw the Windows 95 logo. Mm, 95.
2: It did all
6: these, and then it did all these checks, and yeah. then all of a sudden, it's a thing popped up, said, "Cannot interpret input." <laughs>
3: right. You got to lower the resolution, on the uh, on the monitor on the monitor.
2: Yeah, it's too good. Yeah. However, I would tell you you're going about it the wrong way, anyways. I am. Yeah. Don't try. Okay. Don't try to. Crank up that Model T. <laughs> what you want to do is take the hard drive out of that Windows 95 computer. Now, it's probably running the old-style IDE pin-style hard drive interface. So you need to go to, like, to Cables and Connectors in the Berlin Turnpike or anywhere else you buy your cables and connectors. Okay. And you're going to need an IDE to USB adapter, adapter that will power the hard drive and give it a connection so that you can then plug it in as a USB drive To your current computer, and then you're gonna, then you just go ahead and navigate.
6: That would be much easier because all I have is that three and a half inch drive in there. If I was gonna copy files out of it, yeah,
2: forget it. So yeah, don't try to get the old one working. Makes no sense. Just take the hard drive out. Now you can go and responsibly recycle that carcass of a computer. Okay. Right, you don't need that anymore, and just take the hard drive out, connect it to your old computer, and um, navigate to where you saved that file. Your, and then upload it to, if they'll accept it. Now you still may have a problem in that the the format may not be what they want, but who knows?
3: Yeah, yeah, maybe sixteen bit also. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I have
2: no idea what you're going to find, but if anything, if you have a chance at anything, that's the way I would do it. Okay,
3: so where was this place again? I'm sorry.
2: Cables and connectors in the Berlin Turnpike. They're an institution. They have every oh, okay. connector on the planet. I would call them before you drive over there to make sure they've got an IDE. I suspect your your hard drive is plugged into a very thick gray. Cable with IDE pins on it. I'm not sure how many pins anymore. They, we, they used to use eight. How many pins do you think was that? Eighteen? Fifteen. Fifteen. Um, and make sure it goes from IDE to USB. I highly R2. doubt it's a SATA connect, connection being in okay. that old. Like Check it, though. It could be.
3: So, uh, the IDE was 40-pin connect
2: 40-pin. All right. I thought it was a lot. Worst case, bring your hard drive with you.
6: Yeah, that's what I might do. Yeah.
2: All right, Stephen. Good luck. So your family tree, yeah. Good luck with your family tree, man. Thank you. All right, bye. All right, let's move on to John in Bristol. Hey, John.
0: Hi, guys. Let me turn my radio down here. Sure. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, I recently found out that an old—I don't know if it's a Gmail email or a. Um, email I made for an old website that I used for my old photography business has decided not to work anymore, probably because I don't own, dom- I don't own the domain anymore oh. um, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem I'm having is that that's the email that I've used with my Gmail account.
2: As your recovery? Or,
0: well, I, it's my main one. And when I go into my dashboard, it mm-hmm. says that this admin email cannot be changed. So I can add an alternative one for me to get, you know, if I get locked out or something like that. Good. They can contact me, but uh, there's, it doesn't look like there's any way of me being able to change the main email. Now, you know, it's Google and their wondrous ways of helping us. The only way I can get support is if I pay six dollars a month for their G Suite because my free <laughs> legacy one doesn't include any kind of support. As if they don't make enough money, you know.
2: Well, they're not doing it out of the kindness of their heart, John.
0: <laughs> no, they're not. I realize that.
2: Um, so, you can't be <laughs> so too <one> bitter.
0: <laughs> no, no, I, I can, but it doesn't do me good. No. The main reason I'm the main reason I'm concerned is I have a, a new business that I'm using my, this account for, for my, you know, Google, my business and stuff like that. And, you know, since it's come to my attention that I'm no longer able to get emails using this old email address, how long is it going to take before the verification and stuff like that, that yeah. I used for Google for this goes kaplooey. And then all of a sudden I can't get access to my active business. And, well, you know, to avoid that, how do I change all that crap besides mm. pay $6 a month so I can get phone support?
2: <laughs> well, it's only six bu- bucks for the first phone call, yeah, so there's there's that. Um, I mean, so are you setting up like well, a flea you guys market?
0: Are free, and you guys have a lot of information for me. So sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, those guys are in control, so you yeah, should be you should be able to set up another account. The problem is, it does assume you have the other admin account to fall back on to confirm with. I suspect. Um, I would set the secondary account up. Have you done that yet? Uh,
0: you know, I haven't, and I'm. I get, I get so leery as to trying to decipher what they want me to do to set it up and I don't want to unlink things. I mean, even when, you know, when they acquired YouTube, yeah, you know, and they wanted you to merge your accounts <clears> for, for whatever reason, I was getting a mental block and, and I just, I couldn't do it. And they ended up merging them together for me, I guess. Or, right. You know, through Whether the you liked it
2: or not. Yeah.
0: Which is fine because it seems to work just fine. But, right. You know, that's. The issue I have is that everything seems to be tied to this old email that's no longer valid, right? and sooner or later it's all going to go kaflooey, and then the active business I have is going to, you know, I'm not going to have access to this stuff, or at least that's my fear.
2: Well, so your Gmail account, do you use it on a regular basis? No. Ah. So I don't know that I'd... So I would you want to configure your business information on Google is what you're saying but you can use any account you want right you just have to claim your business so if your business Which is I have. okay if you've but you' got to claim it under not not your gmail account you can claim it under any account did you choose another account
0: i I swear I did but it's it's like every time I got a, I, I go to log into that it's tied to my your Gmail, my my Gmail, yeah, to my Google account.
2: So set up a so number one, set up a rec- another recovery email, which is the one you think you're supposed to use. You can re- also reclaim. You should be able to reclaim the account under a different mailbox. I mean, I don't even use Gmail. I mean, I'm an Android guy, but it I don't even look at the email box um, for anything. So
0: yeah, I, I don't either. You know, I mean, I'm a Mac guy, and my my main one is a, a .me account.
2: Right. So I would tell you <laughs> to work work on changing your accounts to have that email box as your recovery um, starting with trying to set you know claiming your business under the Mac email setting
0: so do I need to start a new
2: <clears throat> no your business <clears throat> no your business is your business right you're doing that just to make sure that you're you're viewable when they surf you right when they search you right, right. yeah you should be able to claim that under your regular Mac they're going to do a few things to prove you are who you say you are yeah um, but I would tell you that, and then of course, do set up that Mac as your backup to your Gmail, right? Okay. As your recovery, you need that going.
0: Which I, which I think it is. You need
2: you know, to be. Sh- you need to be my, sure. My,
0: well, when I go into my personal info on here, you know the profile, yeah, um, and stuff like that. It's there. Yeah, the two emails are there.
2: Okay, so then I wouldn't sweat too much. The other one doesn't matter. You've got the other one backed up. Claim your other one as a as a Mac. Claim your business as a Mac email address. I gotta go over a hard break here, John. But I think yep. you're in better shape than you think you are. <laughs>
0: I'm glad you feel that way. And it
2: didn't cost you six bucks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. No, I Thank
2: you. You're welcome. This is Computer Talk. We'll be right back.